Welcome back to Happy Brain. My name is Sean Block. Thank you so much for being here. This is a show we talk about those tips and tricks to help our brain feel a little happier, improve our mood a little bit. And today we are joined with Allison Jabot. She's a licensed therapist, and here's her lowdown. She is a licensed therapist on a mission to help people break free from shame and limiting beliefs so you can find your way to relentlessness, radical self-love and empowerment and realign with your authentic divinity and personal uniqueness. She helped me really understand shame in a more simplified way and actually some tips and things that we can do today to help us break free from some of that shame. And a lot of it has to do with just listening to yourself and not judging so much, right? We judge ourselves for everything. That person in the morning, like when you get up and you're like, oh, I don't feel like getting up. And instead of just stopping there, we just start beating ourselves up. Like, oh, my friend like gets up, has a morning routine, works out like for three hours in the morning, does journaling, does 20 different things. And I'm just sitting here doing nothing. It's removing some of that thought and that some of that shame from our, our way of being. So I hope you really get a lot out of this episode with Allison. Thanks so much. Cheers and enjoy. You wanted to talk a little about shame and shame is something we just, it's like, I don't know if it's a buzzword. Um, I don't know if the opposite of shame is vulnerability, but can you tell us in your, what is exactly shame and how does that really affect us inside? You know, it's so funny. I, I work with shame a lot and I don't know if anybody's asking me ever to define it. And that's a really great question. Um, you know, for me, the idea of shame is this really internalized, deeply powerful emotion that is really kind of adjacent to guilt, to not feeling like enough, to being really like there's a lot of secrecy in shame, right? It's so it's 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 a vulnerable emotion. Like I don't, you know, somehow I think they play off of each other somehow. Um, but you know, the way I describe it is I I find it immobilizing and suffocating. Right. So we're just like living in secret and really, you know, I, this is like an Instagrammable post that I see all the time, but they always say like, you got to feel it to heal it. Right. And shame is really quite the opposite of that. Right. It's like this emotion or whatever your experience is, instead of mindfulness in like observing what you're feeling, it's really like pushing it so far down. Mm-hmm. It's just like the dirty little secret. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, you know, that can, we can have shame around events, right? I've done something that I'm not proud of. And so I'm having deep regret or guilt or big emotions about it, but it can also be feelings, right? So, you know, an example that I use, is like when I talk to women who are mothers, it's not uncommon for them to maybe have gotten really angry at their kin, right? Or have days where they just like, don't feel like being a mom or they don't feel like getting up or their kids annoying them. And like deep shame around that. Like I'm not supposed to be feeling this kind of a sentiment, you know? And the issue with that kind of thought process is it, we're not letting, we're, there, there is no release, right? If we're like squishing it down, it compounds instead of releases. Got it. So I, I come to you and like, I might not even know I have all this going on, but I know I'm unhappy. I'm like, I, I'm coming to you. And how do you even get started once you recognize you can see somebody's in that kind of mode, what are some of the first steps you can just to help them even, I don't know, become more aware of it or take some kind of steps to kind of move forward? How do you, what are your like steps to start? Yeah, beautiful question. You know, so it's, it's a bit of a buzzword. So I'm always like a little bit kind of shy to, to, to use it, but it, it's, for me, it's mindfulness, mindfulness, mindfulness. And the way that I 
personally describe mindfulness is it's noticing what's happening without judgment, right? So a lot of the time when I'm going to work with someone, I'm like, okay, we're really going to lean into mindfulness. I'm going to teach you what that is. I'm going to teach you how to play with it. Like, oh God, you want me to meditate? And, you know, meditation is mindful, but mindfulness is just way more expansive than sort of, you know, kind of what we immediately think of mindfulness. So if someone was, you know, saying, you know, I got really mad at my kid and I just wanted to run away for the day. I just want to, I just had this urge to get in my car. That's mindful. I would, I would be like, let's just pause there. And they're like, oh, and I, this sounds terrible to say. And I would pause and I'd be like, what would happen if we just dropped? It would be terrible to say. What if we just looked at, you know, hey, it was Tuesday and my kids were pissing me off and I really just had the desire for a fleeting moment to be free, right? That's a human feeling. We can have feelings. Like our feelings, our thoughts, our urges don't manifest necessarily to behavior, right? You're not saying that you're actually going to pursue that action. You're going to abandon your children. But the thought is okay, right? And once we acknowledge the thought, I had this thought, we can play with it. Okay, what's your need here, right? Because usually there's an unmet need. Maybe it's just you're overworked. Maybe we need some more self-care. Maybe there needs to be boundaries. Maybe we need some more support. But there's there's like relief in problem solving and owning what's happening rather than dismissing it shamefully. So what I'm hearing is like when you add like your own interpretation to it, like you said, you know, I, I did tired. I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to deal with my kids. That, that's being mindful. That's a feeling when you stop there, right? But then when you keep going and saying, oh, I'm such a bad mom, I'm doing this and that, then it kind of, that ruins that state, right? That, that, is that where the shame starts to come in? Absolutely. Right. And, you know, people can find this in like, you know, if, if you don't have kids and that's an unrelatable example, it's like, well, people do this with school, right? I mean, and when work, right? someone who's really high functioning, who's really successful might always have this like kind of push pull for like work-life balance, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I'm noticing that I'm drowning with work, but I shouldn't do that because I just got a raise and I'm employee of the week and I really need to work harder, mm-hmm. Right. So again, it's like anytime we're feeling something and then we're adding, but I shouldn't be feeling that, that's where the shame is kind of like sneak attack coming in. It's kind of like a, like a commentator, like you're commentating on your own thing. It's like, uh, so like, yeah, so at work, you know, you're, you're feeling bad, like you're doing really well at work, but then you're like, well, I should be, you know, I'm I'm not spending enough time over here with my kids and I'm doing this and that, you know, just stay. I'm doing really well on my job. Okay, great. I got this other thing that I need to kind of deal with too, you know? Uh, those are practical. So, okay. So that's languaging and thinking like that. Are, are there like any techniques? Like, for example, like I went to a therapist once and they're like, do the five senses, like to be aware, like, what do you see? What do you feel like just to try to get present, you know, when, especially when you're going through, you know, anxiety and stuff, but I don't know about that example, but what do you have a couple things that you suggest to kind of just start to be a practice awareness? Yeah, I mean, so the the five, four, three, two, one with the senses, you know, I feel like that's like a super, a super one. And I think that one's extremely helpful when it comes to anxiety, but it, it can work here too, right? So the way I describe that book's called the grounding technique. Okay. You, right? And the way I describe it, grounding technique is like a million moons ago, I was a little tiny ballerina. And when we were first learning how to dance, they would tell you like, okay, spin, but you don't want to get dizzy to so pick a focal point, right? And that has carried with me into adulthood, right? Like 40 something. 30 something years later, uh, <laughs> I overage myself. Um, so grounding techniques to me are that like my mind is spinning and I need to connect to something to just 
redirect a thought. So that practice really doesn't have much to do with like, I need to figure out five things I can see and four things I can hear. It's just the practice of, of stopping thought spiraling, right? Uh, so that those can be really helpful, right? Something that I push forward to pretty much all my clients, they're so sick of me talking about it. Um, I'm very into sort of what's called somatic psychology. And that's just really listening to your body. So, you know, I will plot people in session and absolutely encourage them to do it at home. When they're having these thoughts, I like we teach little kids this, so just like stop, like literally stop what you're doing. And I, I tell them to like drop into their body, right? Like just pause and know what, what's going on, right? And you're probably going to notice like your thoughts are racing. Maybe it's hard to breathe. It's, you're having a difficult time concentrating, right? There's a bunch of physical things that happen to us, right? So some people clench their jaw. I always notice like people's shoulders come up. We might be crying, right? There's like our bodies give us clues that this is not helpful, right? And if we change the thought and it's like, I'm doing the best I can, right? I couldn't, you know, I had this crazy dilemma whether I had to work or go to a family picnic. And that was really hard for me. And I feel like I'm not doing enough in either direction. And I'm so freaked out, drop it. It's like, whoo, that blood pressure is rising, all of that stuff. Let's change that thought. I'm doing the best I can. It's like there's suddenly maybe like those shoulders drop a little bit. And we just start to, you know, our our thoughts dictate our, our body and our body dictates our thoughts. So the more we can put calm, self-soothing into it, the easier all of this stuff is to navigate. That is, I hear a lot about that type of, even that type of meditation, like the feeling, feeling the meditation instead of, I have one guest talk about that, that sometimes it's really hard for, to tell a brain not to do anything. But if you say, okay, just focus on how you're feeling or whatever, it gives a job, you know, brain something to do. But when I'm, when I'm listening to you, I'm, yeah, I'm hearing like, again, it's like less judgment. It's, um, you know, how are you feeling? Once you start feeling, you go, okay, I'm feeling that. All right. And it's like, maybe take some of the sting away. Like you said, your shoulders drop. I feel it, you know? Yeah. That's, that sounds like such a bored part. Um, and once you start to, once you start to practice those skills is do you, have you seen like, is there a, a time where you've seen like kind of a transition point where somebody starts to get it? Like, is there the light bulb moment? Do you start to see that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, you know, I started, aside from like my, my creepy preoccupation with weird crime stuff, I was a pretty anxious kid, right? So I grew up in like the 80s and the 90s. And, um, you know, I remember when I was 16, I had my first panic attack and actually landed me in the hospital, right? Like I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what was happening. I was like hyperventilating and like my, my fists were actually making, um, like getting really clampy. And so I got rushed up to the hospital and they were like, okay, she's having a panic attack. Right? That's what happened. And then nothing happened after that. Right? Like nobody assigned me, like they didn't give me medication. Nobody assigned me. They were just like, good luck. That's what that was. So I didn't connect to my own like mental health journey until I was in college. And I got to go to like a free therapist through my school. And she was really like helped me work through my own anxiety. So in the last you know, 20 years since I started therapy, I have seen it in my own self, right? Where it was really at Rikers Island that I had to learn mindfulness. They like that's their program. And I had a tough sell at the beginning, right? And I was just like, okay, I love talk therapy. I love talking about our thoughts. Mindfulness thing I'm not like really sure about. And a lot of my training, I had to do stuff myself. And I have noticed that in my own life, my anxiety has come down 
so significantly, right? Now I notice it sooner and I'm able, I have all of these different tools that I can do on different days that can start to shift me. And so now when I talk to clients, I, I, it's amazing to me to get to watch them do that as well. I just had a client this week and, you know, when I met them, they were having horrible panic attacks. They, you know, couldn't be in school. They had to drop out of college. They were in a really toxic relationship. And we've been practicing this, like, you know, probably so like nine months now. And I, when I met them this week, they were very proudly stating that, you know, they're back in school. They graduated. They have their first job. They're in a really amazing relationship. They're moving into their own house and they feel good. They had just celebrated a birthday party and they were like, everyone around me was amazing. I'm so lucky. And I was like, you know what? It has nothing to do with luck. You did that, right? Starting to believe in yourself, practicing mindfulness, looking at how to deal with anxiety rather than run from it. It's like your life changed. And now you're surrounded by, you know, this is not to say you're not going to have challenges, right? There's going to be crap days. You're going to have people that make you mad. But the, the wellness and fulfillment has changed because your relationship with yourself has changed. I I completely can see that from a patient perspective as being the patient. I can totally relate to that. And when I started introducing like more mindfulness practices in my life, that's when I started to see a shift. It gave me more tools and, and things like that, um, for sure. Yeah. And then kind of circling back to shame, what I'm hearing is that um, part of the shame is, like we said, is putting labels to all these feelings and calling them bad or whatever, whatever spectrum of, of life it is, instead of just acknowledging them as they are, like, I'm feeling this way, I'm feeling that way, and not putting all these labels on it. Is that is that kind of uh, fair characteriz- characterization of how to kind of start yeah. getting rid of that shame? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. It's just, you know, I had a therapist, he, he, my own therapist practices really differently than I do. But something that he always tells me is just whenever you're feeling something, just say, this is what it feels like to feel, insert feeling. Like, this is what it feels like to be tired today. This is what it feels like to be hungry. This is what it feels like to be anxious. Right. And it's just, practicing, again, dropping into that body and just neutralizing it. And it's like, and even the really tough ones. This is what it feels like to be lonely, right? This is what it feels like to be pressed. This is what it feels like to be devastated, heartbroken, all of these things that we can feel, right? But it's just, we're really complex, right? Human beings are just really complex. So, you know, we're going to have this whole spectrum of human emotions throughout our lives. And some of it's going to feel really positive and some of it's going to feel really difficult. And, you know, just recognizing that that's part of all of this and that we have a lot of influence in our lives that have shaped how we interact with the world. Right. Again, just noticing that Um, really quickly, something else that's sort of like a practical tool um, is I do what's called a thought inventory. So I'll have clients write down the thoughts that come up the most often for them. I'm not good enough. Um, I'm awkward, right? I tell stupid jokes. My nose is funny. Like whatever it is that they have, right? I need to be thinner. Um, and I'll have them write a voice, like who's speaking to you right now? And and what we often find is that thought originated somewhere, right? Like, well, my coach always told me how to work harder, right? My mom always told me that I'm annoying, right? And so then we can kind of challenge it too. It's like. A lot of this stuff isn't even, it's stuff we learned and we practice subconsciously throughout our lives. So now we believe it really strongly, right? That's how neuropathways work. The more we think something, 
the stronger and more accessible that thought becomes. So we can be like, okay, okay, well, now you're 30. Do you believe that you're annoying? No. Okay. So we're going to start to shift that thought, right? Again, letting go of the fact that, you know, we all have characteristics and all have influences that have damaged us in some way, but we can let them go. I thought you were going to say, like, put your voice into like your coach from when you're a kid and like, you know, and make fun of that. Stop yeah, that totally voice. That. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. period, right. Kind of make fun, of, make fun of that person that's making fun of your whatever it is. Um, Allison, talk to you forever. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with us? And then tell us about, I know you have an amazing site. I went on it, a note from your therapist.com where they can find out tons of stuff about you, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, no, you know, I, I think, you know, if you are a newbie and you're figuring out where to start listening to podcasts like this are great, right? Obviously, I believe in therapy um, where you get like more tailored approaches to you specifically. Um, but the beautiful part about kind of this mental health move- movement is there's resources all around. So just start connecting to the things that make you feel good and happy and, you know, sunshine and rainbows inside. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Anytime. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Happy Brain. If you enjoyed this, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you have an extra second, leave us an honest review over on iTunes or your Apple podcasting app. And until next time, my friends, keep that brain of yours happy. Happy.